What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It was a day where the theatre of dreams really lived up to its name. Manchester United acted like champions with style and arrogance. From the moment Raphael Varane stepped out looking like a film star into a wall of noise surely as loud as any ever heard at Old Trafford, this was a day to remember long into the future. Pogba plays it on, taken down, smartly, and Bruno Fernandes scores Manchester United's first Premier League goal of the season. And the man who scored 28 last season is off and running already. Excellent ball by Pogba, here goes the speedy Greenwood, good miss for Manchester United, oh what about that, that's how you respond, Mason Greenwood with a clinical finish, Pogba precise, Greenwood clinical and Manchester United back in front. Pogba, and it could be in again, Bruno Fernandes, was it over the line, referee says, yes! Seventeen months we had waited, waited to see Manchester United, yes, but everything wrapped up with our football club too. Waited to see familiar faces, to nod across a concourse at an old friend, to strut through the turnstiles, to sing odes to Eddie Cavani, the sound bouncing off the walls of Old Trafford, to roar the team out of the tunnel, to fly down steps and seats in celebration, to cheer an opposition's misplaced pass, to be catapulted out of everyday life for 90 minutes into a world so colourful, so full of passion that it could hardly ever be replicated anywhere else. This was football back, United back, and we had waited and waited. And it was worth the wait.
It was a day for the fans, a day for Bruno Fernandes, a day to revel in for Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes quickly on the move. In for the hat-trick. Oh, anything else? Nothing else was going to happen than that. What next? Opening day, Bruno Fernandes with a hat-trick and Manchester United running away with it. Turned around the corner by Greenwood to Pogba. They're queuing up in the middle. In the corner, there's another one. It's Fred. They're all at it. Opening day is turning into an Old Trafford party. And everyone in a red shirt is very much involved. Manchester United 5, Leeds United 1. Electric. Magic. Absolutely magic. And the players, you know... It does mean a lot for the players. This atmosphere gives you an extra edge, energy. You can't, you can't replicate that from a team talk or a, the team spirit. It gives you, you know, when you run down, down that end and you score four goals like we did second half, it's just the best feeling in the world. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. Jack will go on to talk about assist master general Paul Pogba, match ball taker Bruno Fernandes, big game player Scott McTominay and lots of others. But first, just to pause and reflect and think that football can so often exceed expectations and so often crush them in the most painful of ways as we found out in Gdansk. But football aside, in life in general, how many times does life meet your highest expectations and as I came away from Old Trafford on Saturday afternoon, that's kind of what I thought, because this was built up to be something great, because it, it did always promise to be great. And it wasn't some media fiction, as can often be the case in football. This was deep down in us all. We'd all wait for this. We all look forward to it since March 2020, really. But really, especially since the fixtures were announced in mid-June, this has always been waiting for and with some excitement as well. And it just delivered in the most spectacular way. And in a time where I think we've all learned to savour the good moments, to take a moment and realise what we should be grateful for, this was absolutely one of them. This was perfect in every way. And whether you're in the stadium or watching with mates or wherever you were, I just feel very fortunate to have been able to watch that and experience it in the way that I did. And for us as United fans to have that incredible start to the season, it was an incredible day, an incredible way to start the new season, a season which was always going to be about the fans and already has been after after one weekend. I mean, you could not have asked for a better, what, couple of hours, a few hours, a whole day, I'm guessing, for those of, those of you like yourself, Harry, who are at the stadium. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, you really couldn't ask for any more. Obviously, you start with just the wall of noise inside Old Trafford, which even just watching on TV sounded deafening. You have the uh, unveiling of Raphael Varane on the signing, which I thought actually was a, a brilliant way to announce a new signing, just have him you know, in the stadium with 75,000 screaming United fans there to greet him. And then United put on a, a clinic. And you're right, it makes you it makes you think more about what football is and what it means to people. And then it is so much more than just, you know, that cliched phrase of 22 men kicking a ball around the pitch for 90 minutes. It's so much more than that. It, to those of us that follow football, it's, it's a lifeline for a lot of us. It's an escape from, you know, our real world. It brings us so many emotions, both good and bad. And, and we sort of ride through them and we do it for moments like Saturday against Leeds. We do it for moments where we feel 
part of something so much bigger than ourselves that brings us so much joy, so much happiness and so much emotion surrounded by those thousands of others in the stadium and millions of others around the world. You sort of join in that collective yeah. and watching football this whole weekend, to be honest, not even just the United game, I think has reconnected yeah. football fans with that feeling so much because you just... To be honest, I don't think you quite appreciate how much you miss fans in the stadium until you see it with football with them back. Yeah, I don't think any, I think we all thought we did, but I don't think we really understood just how much we missed them. And yeah, you're right. Football is about belonging and friendship, probably the two things from a, a fan's perspective and from a playing perspective, because I think sometimes... Also, I mean, we we have a podcast about Manchester United, so maybe it's not I should be saying it, but we we most of our time around football is focused on the very very top level, the naught point naught one percent. But it's, I mean, as a sport, it's also about about the, the the sport as it's played in in parks and stuff, and in in that instance as well, it's about belonging and friendship, and and yeah, the the fact that you can be mates with strangers and that you can find friendships through. Uh, a shared support of a football club. And that was certainly what I felt at Old Trafford again, seeing people that I hadn't seen for 18 months who I'd met three or four times um, a couple of seasons ago, but just just enough to see them across a concourse at Old Trafford, both having a beer and, and walk over to each other and just say hello and just, like, have, a, have a quick catch up. And there's some people like that who, I mean, you don't even know their names, but just a, a little nod across a concourse or a little handshake there, just a you're right here and there. And, and that's, it was it honestly, it was, it was just one of the great days. Um, and, and it would have been a great day, even if United had lost to be back at Old Trafford um, with a full stadium. And yet, and, and that's why I feel lucky because it wasn't just a great day for that reason. It was also uh, a fixture uh, a hat trick from Bruno Fernandes, uh, uh, unveiling of Rafael Varane that will live so so long in the memory, and that really, I mean, no one will forget this one. And and to to start with, as you say, unveiling Rafael Varane, I, I said in the in the introduction, this was a day where United acted like champions, and I don't mean to say I don't say that meaning to say that we're about to go on and become Premier League champions, or that I think we're going to win the league just because of this day. But we acted like Manchester United. We brought out an incredible player. We did it in a way that other clubs haven't um it was yeah style and arrogance and that's what I think man style arrogance and youth are basically what I think United are about as well as courage and success I guess and yeah we we just acted in a way appropriate of Manchester United we unveiled Varane World Cup winner four times Champions League winner and then we went and spanked Leeds and it was brilliant but the Varane unveiling was just outstanding it was so good I I, I don't think it I don't think I watched the videos back and the listened to audio back I just don't think cameras and microphones can convey and pick up quite how incredible it was inside the stadium it was it was really just an unforgettable moment and the wall of noise I've just never heard anything like it the the excitement that went round as within two steps he took out of the tunnel suddenly this enormous wall of noise it was it was honestly incredible well, what was it like for you all in the stadium? Because obviously we we had cameras on him watching on TV and, and the tweet got sent out literally seconds before he walked out onto the pitch. But what what was the moment like for you, everyone in the stadium? Like, did you know who it was immediately as he, when he walked out or did it sort of take a few seconds? And then when the realisation happened, everyone just sort of erupted. I had no idea. No idea. It was, it was an amazing atmosphere already. Uh, most people in their seats, I'd say 80, 85% of people in their seats 
of 10 minutes before kickoff and the atmosphere was really good and it was really loud and it, everyone was just excited for United to come out. We just saw that, yeah, just this suited figure come out and I, I was... So I'm just, I'm behind the, I'm in the Stretford end lower, just behind the goal, but between the goal and the tunnel. So uh, probably 30 metres away from the tunnel. So as Varane walks out, all all we see from my view is just a guy in a suit and a tall, good looking guy in a suit who looks like a tanned James Bond. And yeah, it took about half a second to realise it was Raphael Varane. And the problem was it, it was being announced over the loudspeaker, but it, it kind of, you didn't register the noise as quickly as you registered the, it just, I didn't even really hear the noise at all, partly because you couldn't hear it, but partly because it was just this in, just incredible recognition of who it was. And yeah, and then he strode out and looked amazing and fist pumped towards the crowd and took a selfie and oh, just the best unveiling we'll ever have. It was so good, but yeah, complete surprise. And I think I've, I've never been happier to not know something was going to happen. It was just the perfect surprise. You know, I, w- I was literally thinking the day before the Leeds game that I wonder if Varane might be introduced at say half time or something. Cause obviously it got to Friday night, nothing had been announced. And we are being in the early kickoff, you were sort of like, when are they going to have a moment to announce this? They're probably not going to leave it till next week to next week. So I was sort of expecting maybe they'll, you know, announce it on Twitter in the morning, sort of first thing and then unveil yeah. Varane maybe either before the game or, you know, if the game is going well, maybe at half time. But I mean, <laughs> this was another level and you got to say it, it worked brilliantly. It reminds me a lot of what Barcelona yeah. and Real Madrid often do with their biggest signings, you know, where they have these sort of big unveilings where they they pack the stadium and they have huge photo shoots and everything. It obviously wasn't quite that, but to be honest, I think it was almost better because it wasn't just this sort of weird Definitely. standalone moment. I remember when Gareth Bale went to Real Madrid and he just sort of awkwardly yeah. stood on the podium, like trying to speak his few words of Spanish. And, you know, this, yeah. this was sort of like that, but in so many ways, like a million times better. And it just got the, it got the crowd and everyone watching at home as well, just so into the game, even more than we were already. And it, it also then put a lovely dovetail on it because obviously you, that could have gone one of two ways. If we'd have put in a bad performance against Leeds, say lost the game, you can then be like, well, yeah, like good job we have Varane because we're going to, we're going to bloody need him this season. And you know, it sort of takes the gloss off the situation. But now with the way that we played, the performance we put in, it's like, well, we've just smacked Leeds 5-1. Yeah. We look like, you know, we're a, a very, very like good a- chance of contending for the title this season. Plus we have Varane coming in, you know, and yeah. that, that difference in the way that we view that whole thing is huge. The whole thing that the fact that we were obviously Arsenal Brentford played and that was, that was great to watch as well. But the fact that we were the first on the Saturday and announced Varane and then what it, the whole, the whole of that until Saturday three o'clock when the rest of the games kicked off, it just felt like a parade for Manchester United. Can you imagine being a Leeds fan <laughs> sitting there watching yeah. your, your main rivals bring out Raphael Varane looking as, as good as he did. And I just, it, the, the, the level of excitement just unmatched. Um, I've, I've just haven't experienced something like that in a football ground. And it sums up a, a bigger point, I think, which was just what was so good about, yes, uh, about, about Saturday and also about, I think the weekend as a whole was that everything was perfect for the fans inside the ground. There was little VR interference and this incredible unveiling out of nowhere. And I think that's what football should aim to be. It's not to say that the experience shouldn't be made as good as possible for people not in the stands, but it's to say that you should make it as good as possible for the fans inside the stadium, wherever that stadium might be, whatever country it might be and however big it might be. And from there, you try to bring those watching on TV 
or following in another method, you try to bring those people as close to the match day experience as you possibly can, make them involved as much as you possibly can. And I think that's how football should be. And this that whole this whole Premier League weekend for I don't know for for the first time in how long the whole thing felt like it was done for match going fans, and that hasn't happened for years, for decades. And and it, it I, and you really felt it as well. And I think it resonated with everyone who went to a game or everyone who has been to games in the past. I think I think everyone would have felt that. Yeah, it's been it's been brilliant the whole the whole weekend, to be honest. Like you said, I think the Premier League got it spot on even with the scheduling of the games. I think Brentford against Arsenal was a perfect game to start off. Again, it's just, yeah. we've sort of talked about this before that those sort of games where you're going to, on paper, sort of a smaller Premier League club in a relatively small stadium, those are the games where fans, not having fans, makes that trip so much easier. And I think that sort of game was the perfect encapsulation of why fans make such a huge difference. Yeah. You know, Brentford could have beaten Arsenal in an, with, a, with an empty stadium. You know, Brentford are a good team. I think they'll do well this season. But there's absolutely no doubt that having a full capacity crowd inside that stadium on Friday night made a huge difference the way that game played out. And I think that was the perfect way to start off the weekend. And the whole week building up to it, you know, everyone had been excitement, but that game just cemented everything about why fans are so important. And then obviously you got United Leeds, you have a very good slate of three o'clock games. Then on the Sunday, you have Spurs against City to sort of bring the weekend down. And, and it, you're right, it felt like fans for once were actually at the forefront yeah. of thinking in sort of Premier League football, which is not normally, yeah. this is an entertainment product at the, at, the end of, at the end of the day, but fans were actually front and centre for once. But I think I think what what I think what the executives of Premier League clubs and of the Premier League will should hopefully realise is that when you prioritise and respect match going fans, the product you get is so much better that is then better for you selling it elsewhere. And I mean, you look at the the coverage that individual clubs have done of their games, it's all surrounding the return of fans and all their engagements on social media, all their advertising for the next few days will carry the match going fans. And for the Premier League as a product, as a, a, a division as a whole, as an entertainment business as a whole, nothing could have been better than this opening weekend with uh, how many fans? 300, 400,000 in total attendance, maybe 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 half of that. But the, the sheer numbers and the, the passion shown is what makes the Premier League so attractive elsewhere, as well as the great football. Um, so I think hopefully you'll get this uh, respect and prioritisation of of match-going fans in it, and it will rub off and make the league as a whole better. And yeah, Saturday 3pm's being back was brilliant as well. Not on the TV, and it was lovely. I stood in the pub, pub after United's game. They had Soccer Saturday going in, and you could just see goals going in, scores changing in all four divisions in English football and other leagues in, in Europe, and it's exciting. And then I watched Match of the Day late, and it was brilliant without having seen any of the goals before. It was really, it was just a, a, yeah, a great day of football. We should we should talk about the game. To start with, before we talk about Pop and Bruno, I just thought we set the, the tone for that game so well. It was hard not to. I was so confident going into the game because I thought with the atmosphere and the mood, United just could not lose. And then when you bring Varane out, it makes it even more. But that being said, United set the tone so perfectly right from the off. It, it, it's an area of, of our team we've wanted to improve so many times before, starting quickly. But 15 seconds in, Mason Greenwood's pressing Melier. 
that sets the tone. Once we have the ball and we've won it back, Lindelof plays a vertical pass into Greenwood's feet. That's after 40 seconds. Uh, it comes back eventually, but it shows the right intent. And then te- 10 seconds later, Harry Maguire stepping out of the fence. That sets the tone in terms of confidence. Lindelof follows 20 seconds later doing the same. McTominay's making runs into the box after two minutes, has his first chance. Dan James with that huge tackle, which was brilliant after four minutes. Um, Loved that from him. And we we took control of the game by coming out so quickly and setting the tone. And it's down to the players' attitude and the talk in the dressing room before, but of course also also the atmosphere. But it was absolutely spot on. And yeah, it felt like we just took control of that game instantly. And at no point did it really feel nervy from there on. Yeah, I think we, we've started so many games slowly the last few years, obviously going behind so often last season. But even even outside of that, we, we seem to just... I mean, how many times in the last couple of years have United scored early goals? It, it just very rarely happens. And even though we didn't get an early goal on, on Saturday, we came out of the traps absolutely flying. And it, it felt like a very frantic game for a lot of the time, but a frantic game that United still had control over for most of it. And you're right, the way that we started, we flew out the traps. You, you know, the, the patterns of play we were putting out there from minute one looked so promising, ended up after, you know, I think about a minute and a half, McTominay getting into the edge of the box and having a shot just go wide. And straight away, it set the tone. And again, when you have fans in the stadium, little moments like that escalate so much. You know, we, we spoke last season when we talked about fans in the stadium that it's actually not the big moments like scoring when you really notice the difference with yeah. fans because that's a moment where it's just natural that everyone sort of celebrates. And often, even if you're watching at home, you get so caught up in your own celebrations about seeing yeah. a goal go in that you don't actually really notice the fans so much in, in real time. But it's those moments like the reaction yeah. after you have an attack that breaks down or after a shot goes wide and it's that sort of second wave of emotion from the crowd or when you, a big tackle goes in, when a ball goes out for a corner. It's those sort of moments. Yeah. And right from minute one. It's when a, a, a winger's sprinting down the wing and he's got that, that roar of the, the crowd behind yeah. him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it's those sort of moments that you that make you sort of realise the difference. And from minute one, we were producing those little moments all the time that got the fans so engaged in the game, even more so than they were, were already. Like you said, Dan James flying into a tackle after a few minutes, us going on that attack straight away, Every time we got the ball, we were moving it, moving it forward so quickly. There was no slow, laborious passing between the centre backs and the midfielders. Every time we got the ball, we, we were looking forward very quickly. You know, obviously there is the caveat that I think Leeds, in some ways, was the perfect game for us yeah. to start the season with because it, it was because it's Leeds of a huge rivalry, massive game. But at the same time, it's a massive game against the team that we are quite frankly far better than but also a team that yeah. play very open and so allow us to attack so of course it was just, a great game for us to start with but you still got to take yeah. advantage of that and we did yeah they they are the perfect team for us they just yeah, open up for us but I mean you said you have to take advantage of it and it's the same point I'm going to make not just of uh, having that environment to play in but yes Leeds are a good team for us to play because of how they play but we have to take advantage of that and we do, but we just, we sent their man marking system all over the place and you could see it for all of the goals and plenty of other moves, but there'd be three people marking Mason Greenwood and no one on Pogba and Bruno or something like that. And it was down to, that. that's not, I think it, it's easy to say Leeds are great for United to play against because they open up. It's not It's not as if we're just counter-attacking against them. That's not why we're scoring, even though sometimes that is the case. It's also you the movement 
and the movement was great. Dan James coming inside was dragging people away. Mason Greenwood was absolutely top, possibly his best game for United. Um, really, just uh, really controlled the game in a way I've never seen him control a game at this level before, but I have in, in the youth teams because I think his best performances in the past have been related to goals and to his finishing. This was about his all-round game. He looked seriously, seriously good, uh, leading the line as well. And of course, <laughs> Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. Um, but yeah, I think you can say Leeds are good for us to play, but we did have to take advantage of that. And it wasn't just down to individual brilliance. The 5-1 scoreline was down to individual brilliance and great finishing from Greenwood and from Bruno. But the general control of the game the fact that Leeds never really threatened. It wasn't like the 6-2. This was so much more dominant than the 6-2 in that we both scored goals with great finishing, but we didn't. Leeds had, Leeds peppered our goal. There were times where you thought they might come back into it in the 6-2. That was never the case here, except when obviously when they drew level, but even then it was for a minute. This was a, a really dominant display, far better than the 6-2. Yeah, you're right. The flip side of what we were just talking about with Leeds being so open is that they're also very dangerous on the ball themselves. And yeah. realistically, throughout the whole game, they barely had a sniff. I can't remember De Gea having to make... Well, they had that one chance, didn't they, at 5-1, right at the end of the, of the game where Rafinha put it wide. And other than that, they scored a wonder goal and they didn't really threaten other than that. And that has to be huge credit to United. You're right, this was so much more dominant, so much more controlled than the 6-2. The 6-2 was just sort of a helter-skelter of a game. It was so frantic all over the pitch. And we just ended up sort of coming out on the right side of a lot of those big moments where teams had chances. This was another level. And I think what I loved about this performance was that, although, as you're saying, the goals ended with some very good finishing, you know, especially Fernandez's third goal, Greenwood's goal, you know, very, very good finishing. But it also came from just us having, throughout the entire game, extremely good patterns of play going forward. The link up, the movement that we had at the top end of the pitch was absolutely phenomenal. And it wasn't as if, you know, this was just a, a performance where we, we gave the ball to Fernandez or Greenwood on the edge of the box and just went, do something with it. And, and that, is, that is something that we've done in the past. This was so much more... I don't even know the way. It was just so much more cohesive, I guess, is the word, in that we had, it felt like we had actual patterns of play emerging among those front four of Pogba, Fernandez, Greenwood, and even Dan James. The movement between them was excellent. The, the, the passing between them, which again is something we don't actually see that much from United. It's often the ball goes into one of our forward players and then they're driving players, doing individual things, whether that be is, is a shot or taking a man on. That, that wasn't the case at all. Every single goal came from some brilliant, brilliant movement and brilliant interplay between those those players. I mean, I, I couldn't have been more impressed. Like I say, it comes with a caveat, obviously, that Leeds was the game that probably suited us the best yeah. of anyone in the league. But as we're saying, you have to take advantage of that. You've still got to capitalise on it. And I mean, I don't think United could have hoped for a better first yeah. weekend. We should talk about individuals, though. Pogba, a surgeon's precision and a surgeon's cutting edge as well. He was just brilliant and looked... Uh, I mean, this was Pogba at his best, not only, I mean, when, when Pogba's at his best, not only is he an incredible footballer, but he's also just yeah, he's fun great. to watch and you can just see him smiling on the pitch and enjoying himself. It's just, yeah, there isn't really much more to say. He is just brilliant to watch. He's so much fun when he's at his best because when he's at his best, he still does the simple things. You know, he's not a player that overcomplicates things all the time. But then there are moments where he just does stuff and you're like, how, how have you even seen that? How have you even thought to try yeah. that? And not only did he have those moments yesterday on Saturday, but when he had those moments, they had a huge impact on the game. I mean, that pass for Greenwood's goal is out of this world. The, not only to to see that pass, but the 
the weight on the pass to give yeah. it enough weight to give Greenwood enough space to run onto to get away from Strauss to use that extra pace was phenomenal and I mean just the whole game he was obviously sort of on the team sheet on the left but drifted a lot had so much freedom and that was something that Solskjaer said after the game that really they just wanted Pogba to roam and get on the ball and and impact the game and he did just that I mean yeah there there isn't really much more to say to be honest he is just he's one of the best players in the world not even I'm not saying he's one of the best players in the world full stop but he's one of the best players to watch in the world because when he's at his best he does things on a football pitch that no one else can do he tries things that no one else can try he's the reason that I think if I was a neutral he's the reason I'd watch Manchester United um because he's he's yeah. so good to watch, and he's I mean he's the reason we enjoy football yeah. in general. Bruno Fernandez, like, we, even, I mean we can. Have, this is like a weird sort of distinction, but like Fernandez, I would say he's quite clearly a better player than Pogba. But Pogba is a lot more fun to watch than Bruno Fernandez. Although Bruno was in top form in terms of his little flicks and touches on Saturday, I thought it, right from the he was so up for it right from the start, so lively, so confident. I think about a minute in, he does this lovely flick to set McTominay off, and it just yeah, it's, he was clearly so up for it. And yeah, fewer penalties are going to be given this season, so he just thumped three goals in instead. Yeah, I mean, I, there isn't much more to say about Bruno Fernandez that hasn't been said already over the last. How long has he been at United now? 18 months or so? Feels like he's been here about 10 years for all the, yeah. the amazing moments that he's given us. And this was just another one. I know, yeah. And it, I mean, I I just, I loved the fact that he, uh, there was this great moment after, I th- if you were watching on BT Sport, you might have been able to hear, but it just Bruno Fernandes was doing his BT Sport interview as he came off the pitch and was just serenaded for about four or five minutes, six minutes by, I think, Probably just the have, one where he was with Greenwood as well. Yeah, there was about five thousand United yeah, fans left in the ground. Just and couldn't he, hear any, anything yeah, they were saying. Um, and it was great just being there. And then we were all just waiting for him to finish his interview so that he could finally look over at us. And he did. It was just a wonderful moment. It was finally. It was just great for him to get that recognition and get that love from United fans who he only played in front of for two months after he joined before we we went into lockdown. And more, I think the only thing to say is just. If United can keep him at that level of freshness that he had on Saturday, we're really in business. And the same goes for Pogba, um, which is why I think if Lingard eventually stays, A, it's not out of the question, but B, it's not that bad because then you have Lingard and Van der Beek to help rest Pogba and Bruno, keep them fresh and ready to play like that. There will be It will be a huge difference to have yeah. them at, at this level of freshness. They might not like it. And Bruno will want to play every minute. But if you can start taking him off when United are winning at 60, 70 minutes, when the time calls for it, not when it's 1-0, but if it's like 3-0 or something, and you can start not playing him in the League Cup games and not playing him in the FA Cup third round, not playing him in the final two Champions League games, if we've managed to, if we've got a relatively easy group and have managed to to go through it, then then you're going to see an, an even more effective Bruno. Even if his numbers aren't as high as last season because he plays less games, you're going to see an even better Bruno. And the set, I think the same is definitely true yeah, for Pogba. I, I think I tweeted during the game, just quickly before we move on, I tweeted during the game that it was so, so brilliant that really the defining player of this era of Manchester United in Bruno Fernandes, the player who has more so than anyone else done, probably done more as an individual to push this club forward than anyone, at least in terms of players in the last few years. And it was so perfect that he was the one to have that moment to be the hero to have that hat trick and to get, like you said, that recognition, that adoration from the yeah. fans that he has so deserved ever since he came to the club. I also think, I mean, look, there's there's lots of sides to what makes a football player great and what helps one player 
help to change a club. But what a character. The way he carries himself on and off the pitch is as well as the goals and the assists and the quality and the work rate, what he says and how he carries himself is is part of what has helped him change Manchester United under Solskjaer. And I feel like sometimes we we hear pundits say the word character and say the side, they say a team needs more character and you think, well, what does that mean? But I think in this case it is worth pointing out because it, it does have an effect on the rest of the team. You drag the rest of the team with you. You make, even though he's not United captain, he makes other players step their games up and that's what all great United captains or leaders have done in the past. Eric Cantona, Roy Keane, even Cristiano Ronaldo to, to an extent was very young and very and and was never I don't think was ever a leader as he was at Real Madrid or Juventus or for Portugal uh, but I think the, the the sheer effort he put in forced others to up their game as well and that is what Bruno Fernandes does um, we'll just talk about two more players I think well let's give I'll give one line to Victor Lindelof he was very good amazing pass and I think I, this game actually hasn't changed my opinion on him at all I, he's always had that ability to find those passes uh, but normally he's had to kind of send them over the top this time there was that space to play it at a more normal height which made it more effective um, and, and he was good in defence as well but Scott McTominay first of all and then Dan James McTominay a monstrous performance after very little preseason. he's just he's just brilliant in these big games late runs into the box we're seeing more and more from him great in challenges as always keeps the ball when it looks like he's he's lost it and he plays with a smile, celebrates like a red. And, and again, going back to that character's point, it does matter. It might not matter to United winning, but it does matter as a fan. And Rick McTominay was outstanding in, in his 60, 65 minutes. He's a player that's so easy to love as a fan. Yeah. There are just some players that both, I think, both from what they say and how they carry themselves, but also from the way, not even how good they are, but just the way that they play, their profile, their style on the pitch. There are just some players that are so easy to love and United have had many of them down the years and, and I think McTominay 100% falls into that category just the way that he speaks about United the way that he plays on the pitch how aggressive he is how intense he is every minute that he's on the pitch the way he celebrates everything that he does just makes you feel so much connection to him I think as a player and it's quite rare to have that sort of feeling with a player for a team like United and yeah, McTominay is just, he's brilliant to watch. And in these big games, he is so reliable. And I think more and more he's turning into sort of a, a Jason Park, Darren Fletcher type. They, they were two of the players that are in my head when I just said there are some players that are just immediately likeable yeah. when you watch them. And they were two players that fit that mould. And I think McTominay, not just in the fact that he's likeable, but also in the fact that he just raises his game for these types of occasions, whether it's a big game because we're playing against you know, a, a top team like a Chelsea, a Liverpool, a Man City, or whether it's a big game just because of an occasion like today or like on Saturday, that's what Park and Fletcher made a career out of as well. And they had very clear limitations to their game, just as McTominay does. Yeah. But when you're in a game like that and you need someone, you need to rely on someone to put in a good performance, they were the two that you went to in that United team. And McTominay is the one that you turn to in this United team. Yeah. I did a piece at the back end of last season, I think kind of two, three weeks after the Europa League final where he was named man of the match. I think that that's a, a big, we might look back at that as a turning point for him as well, because if that's given the, I mean, he was already a very confident player, but he, he knows, I mean, he, he took control of that European final, even though United ultimately lost it. And so it was, in the end futile, but he was clearly United's best player in that. And that I think will help him 
and his own self-belief. But I did a piece a couple of weeks after that for United and I was kind of looking at his improvement, but I was also looking at his, uh, we also spoke about on here about his role in the squad and Fletcher, he's already, last season he played so many more times than Fletcher ever did in a single season for United. And I just looked at Jason Park as well. The most Park played in a season for United was 45 times, 18 of those are subs. McTominay's been playing 55, 60 and he has got a future at United and it's in that Fletcher Park role of playing 45 games a season, maybe 35 of them, 40 a start, maybe even fewer than that. But when he plays and when the game is suited to him, he's going to boss it. And this is one of those games. And the same is true for Dan James. This game is, I mean, this is Dan James's game against Leeds. Um, and he he made space for Bruno Greenwood and Pogba. And I think that was underappreciated. And Solskjaer said after he deserved the goal and he probably did uh, that just for that tackle alone, really. But it, the, the way he made space, the way he sometimes stayed on the wing, on the touchline with chalk on his boots and sometimes really dragged players inside. He, he had a good understanding of when to do that and his movement was excellent. An interesting stat, the United haven't lost with Dan James on the pitch in his last 26 games. So for all those people who see Dan James in the starting lineup and moan, maybe <laughs> maybe that will change your mind. So the opposite of the uh, the Jack Grealish and Gareth Bale yeah. effect that, start, that Grealish and Bale lost so many games when they first started playing in the Premier League. But I think on, on McTominay, firstly... I was listening back to our season review a few days ago um, that we put out back at the end of after the Europa League final. And, and I, we said then, Harry, that McTominay, really his ideal role should be that sort of third central midfielder that comes in in games where you need a bit more protection but doesn't have to start every game. And at the moment, as a consequence of where United's midfield is, he's being asked to play a much larger role than that. And, you know, that is a failing of United's recruitment and of our planning that we are so reliant on McTominay because yeah. as much as I love Scott McTominay, he is not good enough and he's and he's not well-rounded enough to be a player that we have to start every week for, uh, in a title-winning team. And so, I, and I think that is still 100% the case that he should be, like you said, that Park, that Fletcher sort of role, a player that you can always rely on who could play every week, but really you don't need to rely on him to play every week. And I'm, I'm sure he will probably end up in that role at some point in the future. But for now, he is doing a brilliant job of, of playing every week. And he is, you know, he has limitations to his game. He isn't the most ideally suited when we're playing at deep blocks, for example. But I think he does offer us just some presence in midfield. And I think he does that job better than anyone else that we have. And so for now, this is probably great for his development as well, that he is getting so much more experience. He's probably got more experience at the age of, what is he, 23, than a lot of other United. Older than that, I think, to be fair. Is he? Uh, yeah, he was quite he was old quite old when he broke through, wasn't he? Like not as, mind you, I guess he's been around for a while he's now only, too. He's only 24 now, to be fair. I thought he was, I thought he'd hit 25 already, but he's only 24. Yeah, so there you go. I think at 24, you know, he's probably, how many appearances, appearances has he made for the United now? It's got to be well about 150, I would guess. Um, yeah, 134 now. Yeah, so, you know, to be, have played that many games at, at 24 is, is brilliant for his own development. And whether he stays in this role that he is now or sort yeah. of moves that third centre mid role, he's, he's a great servant for the club and a very reliable player. And then on, on Dan James, I th there was yeah. a, there was a point, I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was, like halfway through last season where Dan James started the season. I think he was in the first, in the team in the, on the first day. And, and then he sort of fell out of favor, didn't play very much. We didn't see him for, for a few months in the team. And he came back around halfway through last season. And ever since yeah. he, he hasn't really put a foot wrong. You've got to say, 
I, listen, I think kind of similar to McTominay, we all know that Dan James yep. is limited in, in what he can do. We, we all know that he probably isn't ever going to be a starter for Man United week in, week out, but he offers us something different than anyone else. And in the correct type of games and Leeds certainly was that, he offers us so much it just in the way that he creates space for other people, even if that's all that he sort of does, that is still such a yeah, valuable thing. Absolutely. To, and to he's spoken us. about, like you said, his, I was listening to an interview he did the other day. He said his proudest achievement at Manchester United is getting himself back into the team last season when he'd been out of it for a couple of months. Um, so it, it, it certainly is uh, worth noting. Uh, finally, before we very quickly talk about Southampton, because we've had so much to speak about for Leeds, the officiating, um, Bruno's goal, third goal would have been offside. That brilliant half volley would have been offside last season. And there were, I'd say, 20 fouls that would have been given last season that were let go, I think. Um, I might be misremembering from, from Saturday, but I loved it. I think it will take some time adjusting to watch. And I think it will take some time adjusting for players as well, particularly for people like Pogba and Fernandez and Dan James, to be fair. But the flow of all of this games this weekend was fantastic much more exciting I'm not sure if anyone's checked yet how long the ball was in play for the games this weekend complained compared to the equivalent last season but I'm pretty sure there'd be a noticeable difference and long may it continue yeah we saw it in the Euros too that there was I think a concerted effort to let the games flow that there was wasn't a lot more leniency on both fouls and VAR was used in a yeah much more sensible way and thankfully that seems to have been carried over into the Premier League I think the the Man City Spurs game was probably the best example of that this weekend as well. There were there was a period, I think, about eighty five minutes in the Spurs yeah. game where there was just there were tackles flying in from everyone. They were in, in like you know you get those periods sometimes in intense games where in like a ten second period it feels like every second there's a massive tackle going in. And there was a period like that in the Spurs City game, and you just thought like there would. Every, every single one of these would be a foul last season and it does just make the game so much more enjoyable to watch and I, I I hope it really does continue I did think that Bruno's goal was going to be ruled out for offside but to be honest I didn't even celebrate really when it went in because I saw where he was and then saw the replay and I was convinced that it was going to be offside but you know I, I, as long as the the way that they apply the new rules is consistent I don't think anyone is going to have a problem with some of those really really tight offside calls being let go yeah absolutely as long as it's consistent and offside, and it, it is, there is a very clear, It's if the lines are together, then it's not offside and that's fine. That's a benefit of the doubt of about two inches for the striker and that's that's absolutely fine. And as for the fouls, I think they missed, so they, they didn't give some fouls, which were obviously fouls for both United and for Leeds and for other teams all throughout the weekend. Um, and that will frustrate fans, but it's better than it. It's better than encouraging playing for the foul, which we see far too much of. And then there was there was one obvious mistake in the Newcastle West Ham game, which was a shame. And, and he re- the ref really should have been sent to V to the pitch side monitor to check that. Uh, and then we would be saying it was an incredible weekend where the one mistake that was made the, it was corrected because the ref managed to watch it again, and that w- uh, that would have been perfect. So hopefully that gets sorted now. Southampton in about a minute or two. A Sunday game, a strange one. Southampton, they could be relegated. They could be 11th. Uh, huge losses in Vestergaard and Ings and Bertrand. Uh, I'm just glad that James Ward-Prowse hasn't left either. He was linked with Spurs. I'd be really worried if he'd left as well. Adam Armstrong's a good signing, um, but I do I, I do think they'll finish maybe 17th and hopefully for them not 18th. On the other
further. And Che uh, Adams, Theo Walker, and Adam Armstrong isn't a bad three. There's still some good quality in midfield, and I imagine they'll get a couple more signings in, probably some loans. But United should win this game, I think. Um, I mean, well, I know that United <laughs> should win this game. Yeah, Southampton are. I mean, they're, they're on some people's radar for potentially being on the chopping block for going down. I think Ings and Vestergaard are massive, massive losses to real talisman for that for that team. You're either in Che Adams, Theo Walcott, and uh, Adam Armstrong. You know, that's still a pretty decent front three, and, and I think they'll probably spring up some surprises. But they didn't look particularly good, especially in the second half against Everton last week. So yeah, again, it should be a comfortable win for United. But I think we all remember what happened. We played Southampton last season, fell 2-0 behind. So, I mean, this United team, it's going to take some time, I think, to restore sort of trust in this United team after yeah. how many times we fell behind last yeah. season. You know, I think I almost go into every game expecting to have to go through those emotions of we're behind. All right, calm down. We'll come back. And You know, I, I, it's going to take time and, and proof from this United team to stop me going into a game with those sort of feelings. So I'm still sort of apprehensive yeah. on that front. But I mean, on the evidence of what we saw this uh, first weekend, United should be absolutely coasting this game. Yeah, the only thing is seven out of 10 games this weekend were won by home teams. And that trend is... To, the, the, the trend has gone back to home teams yeah. for obvious reasons. That is the only. If there's an incredible atmosphere, then it had it does have an effect. There's absolutely no doubt about that, and that is that is the one excuse I'll the one pre excuse I'll give for Manchester United, Southampton. Um, next week we'll talk about one of our loanees with a guest, as well as reviewing the Southampton game and looking ahead to Wolves. But we're going to go to our patron Q and A now, where we've got questions on playing with a back three, on Paul Pogba, on the atmosphere and COVID nineteen, on Ahmad going on loan, and a few other things. Um, if you want to become a patron, you can find out how to on our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there, at UTD Weekly Pod. For more from Jack throughout the week and his reaction to this Southampton game on Sunday, you can find him on Twitter at, at UTD Tate, T A I T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64. And to the two people who came up and said they enjoyed the podcast on, uh, on Saturday, to Craig and to the lad I met in the toilet, and I forgot to ask his name. Thank you for coming up and, and saying it. And much appreciated. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your days. Um, but for the rest of you, have a great week. Enjoy the Southampton game. Enjoy the rest of your weeks, whatever you're doing. And we'll speak to you next week. Goodbye. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.